It's Curious City editor Alexandra Solomon. In May this year, 16-year-old Shondale Holiday died after being shot in Millennium Park. The shooting happened as rowdy crowds of young people converged downtown, disrupting traffic and causing police to make multiple arrests after fights broke out. After that shooting, Mayor Lori Lightfoot put down the hammer when it comes to teens gathering around Chicago. Today, I'm signing an executive order to move that curfew back on weekends to 10 p.m. And the mayor set the curfew even earlier for unaccompanied minors in Millennium Park to 6 p.m. It gives me no pleasure to impose these rules and restrictions. But having exhausted every other opportunity, every other tool and remedy, we've got to go to this next step. This news only highlighted a longstanding problem in the city. Lots of restless teens and few places for them to go. Downtown was our outlet. We don't have, you know, as many resources as downtown have in our communities. But this wasn't always the case. When I was growing up back in the 80s, there was a Chicago club that created a special place for local teens. It was called Medusa's. I didn't go there every weekend like some kids, but I definitely spent some really fun Saturday nights there. I can remember loving that feeling of independence. For many kids, Medusa's was a rite of passage a bridge between childhood and adulthood, a rare place where kids of all backgrounds could come together for a sometimes wild, but relatively safe night of dancing without the watchful eyes of adults. I think anybody could be anything there, and and it really drew a lot of different types of people. It was also the kind of place where kids could come to feel less isolated, where they could embrace secret identities and connect with kindred spirits, if only for a few hours a week. I just remember, for example, a lot of girls would come and they'd change out of like their normal straight clothes and spike their hair, put on fishnets and leather skirts and spray their hair, make their hair bigger. And they'd go and they'd dance, you know, all night until the time to go home. And they'd change back into their clothes and go back home. Some parents back then saw Medusa's as a little dangerous. My mom definitely wasn't one of them. She let me hang out there. She also happens to be a child psychologist, and she says places like Medusa's may be just what struggling kids need right now. These real-life interactions are not only good, but they're absolutely essential for mental health. Yeah, my mom's pretty smart about teens. She's been working with them for decades, and she takes this stuff really seriously. So today on the show, we're going to look back at the history of Medusa's with the help of Axios reporter Monica Ang. You might remember that name. She did a few stories for us back in the day. Like me, she also occasionally hung out at Medusa's. That's coming up. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I had never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts. Tony Acevedo grew up in Humboldt Park. Today, he oversees 25 Chicago public schools on the southwest side. But 35 years ago, he was a Medusa's kid. I recently met up with him outside the old club, which is now an apartment building. The bouncer would be up there. 
<laughs> and I asked why Medusa's meant so much to him. It was really important. When I was growing up, it was nice to be able to go to a club, even though you weren't 21, and, you know, just hang out, listen to great music and dance. So Tony wanted to know... Like, who had this idea of, of having a cool club in the city for, you know, under 21 folks? Then, of course, you know, it ended. So curious as to what happened there. And then is there anything like that today? We're going to take those questions in pieces and also just spend a little time hearing from people about what it was like to go to Medusa's and what it meant to them. Up front, I want to say that there were two later iterations of the club. But for this story, we're mostly talking about Medusa's in Lakeview that was open from 1983 to 1992. That Medusa's was started by a former airline worker and party promoter named Dave Shelton. He got the nickname Dave Medusa because of his mop of curly hair. In the early 80s, he leased an old Swedish social club near the Belmont L to open a night spot that was not licensed like a regular bar. It was a juice bar. That's longtime Medusa's staffer Leroy Fields, who ran the club's famous video room for nearly a decade. But it worked with no alcohol because it would be a bar with the alcohol and be subject to a lot of the regulations and rules of the city and was a private party type situation, private club, you could do more. So at first, the club was for adults. But after a couple years, Shelton kept getting requests from teens to open an all-ages Saturday night. Dave said, well, we can't be here after 11, so if we had between 7 and 10 and 10.30, We'll throw a teen that dance, and it became just as popular as it was called late night because people came to dance and had a great time, and, and you know they would go back home, and as far as I know, have no problems getting home. So starting in 1986, Medusa's went all ages until 11 o'clock, then stayed open all night for adults. That was the year I actually wrote an article about Medusa's as a teen reporter for the Chicago Sun-Times. My story began, it's the teenager's age-old question. What can you do on a Saturday night when you're too young to go to a bar, but too old to stay home and watch Love Boat with mom and dad again? I cringe at this writing today and the fact that I got the spelling of the general manager's name wrong. But for more lucid memories of the club, I turned to Bob Davis. Bob was a regular at Medusa's. Today, he's the CEO of an education software company. But as a teen in the 80s, he'd leave his Beverly home every Saturday to meet up with a Northside pal for a night at Medusa's. We would take the red line down from his house. You know, it's early, right? Because we were young. So I think we like the doors were like at 6.30 or something, right? We would go in really early. It was like some of the best people watching ever. And there was a lot of punks. And, you know, there were skinheads at that time kind of just around. They always seemed kind of exciting and, and edgy. Um, and then like goth. And then there was just a lot of normal people. I mean, it was teenagers, right? And so I, I think there's this misconception that Medusa's was just everybody was so punk or something. But... I think anybody could be anything there, and, and, and it really drew a lot of different types of people. At the time, admission was $5. Coat check fee, 75 cents. And there's bouncers. I, unless I think people were really like trouble or aggressive or, you know, drunk or something, they would let you in. And then you get in the front steps, and there's this long stairwell going up, right? And then you wait in line there. 
And when you finally get to the point where you pay, you come in and you're just in this amazing club. I remember at that time, like like smoking was still a thing. So like a lot of people would smoke cigarettes and like clove cigarettes. And so it had like a real smell to it too, that when you walked in, you're like, okay, this is Medusa's and it's loud. You know, there's wonderful lights and there's great decor. There'd be like melted Salvador dolly clocks. And one time it was all smiley faces, right? Cause like acid house was happening and that was getting exciting. And, and then you're there and you sort of find your spot. So that was the main room, with a DJ and lots of dancing. Then there was the video room that Leroy ran. Tony, our question asker, loved that part of the club. We're the MTV generation, so like videos were always really important, and so just to hang out and like dance to you know videos of your favorite artists. For me, and a lot of kids, Medusa's opened up a whole new world of music. Stuff you couldn't hear on commercial radio. It mixed house, industrial, punk, new wave, and more. They knew they were going to hear everything from Joy Division to Cacto Twins and the Pixies, and Throwing Muses, Tackle and the Bunnymen, to The Cure, Susie and the Banshees, to The Cramps, to Bauhaus. You know, to Nirvana, to, you know, whatever. They're going to hear whatever was really good, and they had good taste. Here's Bob Davis again. It was always about the music for me. Like, I just, it, it was... The music that drew me there was the music that kept me engaged. They're incredibly diverse and really super progressive music programming. I've never experienced anything like it since then at any club I've been to anywhere in the world. While the music evolved over the years, Davis says there were certain songs that captured the era. Every Day is Halloween by Ministry was always sort of an anthem and probably would still in Chicago if you played it, blow up the dance floor. True Faith by New Order was one that always got me excited. Um, Joining the Chant by Nitzarab was a huge dance floor staple. Nowadays, I would it would be very hard to go some out to a club and hear that range of music. Many of the DJs who worked there became some of the most influential in Chicago and beyond, including Frankie Knuckles and DJ Scrappy. And Medusa's also featured pioneering female DJs like Val Shine and Terry Bristol. But Medusa's had more than DJs and dance floors. It also featured performance art, decor changes every month, and live music. Local bands like Smashing Pumpkins and Ministry would play, and the Red Hot Chili Peppers. But the music wasn't the only thing that drew teens like Bob to the club. It was also that sense of freedom and connection they found there. 
it was like a community center for weirdos and freaks and everybody else in, in between and everybody was welcome and it really had that intention you could feel it i think because it was a time of their lives where they're coming to grips with their own identities they're coming out into like the world is like well i'm a goth i'm a punk you know i'm gay i'm straight but i like to dance it's a social place we can all meet and it's a time in your life where it means a lot and i, I think the club was so unique and so important in so many people that it just resonates that way with everybody. It was also one of the few safe social spaces at the time for LGBTQ teens, like future actor and Glenview native Sean Hayes, you know, from the TV sitcom Will and Grace. In an interview during a 2020 episode of the Smartless podcast, he discovered a fellow Medusa-goer and actor Melissa McCarthy who grew up in Plainfield. Oh my God, I was there every weekend. So was I. Oh my God, we've probably danced with really surly faces together. Like That's so crazy. Right, totally. <gasps> would you That's get up crazy. on the scaffolding or did you Absolutely, I needed oh to be looked at. Oh my God. Yeah, I would, dance, I would dance my ass off. Former club goers don't deny that some kids drank or took drugs before and after clubbing. But it was actually more regulated than house parties or the trend of raves that would follow it. Here's Melissa McCarthy talking to Jason Bateman and Will Arnett about it on their Smartless podcast again. In Medusa's was a juice bar. It was a juice bar. What is that code for? We pounded alcohol before going in. Uh huh. Don't do that, kids. Stay in school. Any any whippet hits or things like that? No, not whippets. Just like Boone's Farm, Everclear, classy stuff. Like Melissa McCarthy, Bob Davis also remembers the scene being well, fairly clean. I don't remember there being a lot of problems, and maybe I was just naive. I also don't remember there being a lot of, like, oversight. Like, there weren't adults there telling me what to do. For most kids, the night would start at 6.30 and end at 11 p.m. when the club would disgorge hundreds of teenagers onto the streets. Some would hop in their parents' waiting cars, but others like Bob would head to the parking lot of the nearby Dunkin' Donuts, known as Punkin' Donuts at Clark and Belmont. Exactly. Right. Because there was nowhere else to go. Right. And so everybody would just go there and nobody would buy anything. I don't think. I mean, it was pretty funny. I mean, when you think back of it, I mean, I remember my my friend's mom would pick us up. It was on Saturday night and it was she was so she's such a wonderful woman. But, you know, she would be listening to NPR and it would be like the world music show. So we like we'd go from Medusa's to like Celtic music. (laughs) Hello and welcome to the Thistle and Shamrock music from the Celtic lands. This is Fiona Ritchie. Wow! Of course, not everybody's going to be happy about hundreds of teenagers hanging around a semi-residential neighborhood. Coming up, what the local alderman thought about Medusa's. Hint, it wasn't good. In 1987, 44th Ward Alderman Bernie Hansen started an offensive against Medusa's. He believed the club was bringing a bad element to his ward. So he pushed for a law that put the squeeze on their license, and it passed. It forced juice bars to close at 2 a.m. on Fridays and 3 a.m. on Saturdays. The days of dancing till dawn were over. But it actually got owner Dave Shelton to focus more on teen nights. Alderman Hansen died last year, but in 2017, he told Chicago Magazine, quote, I was not a big fan of Mr. Shelton and Medusa's at all. 
I had instances of running into people, young kids who were coming out of Medusa's, and people that were hanging around peddling drugs and all that stuff. I didn't want it in the ward. But it didn't stop with the reduced hours ordinance. Former staffer Leroy remembers some surprise inspections at the club that he thought were connected to Alderman Hansen. You know, there was like there was a lot of pressure from from the alderman to close the club. A couple times I was there, the police would come in and just with their flashlights shining lights in all the corners and come in the DJ booth and look and see what's going on and everything like that. They never found anything or anything. there's never overcapacity. All the fire exits were correct. So they didn't really find anything, just a little bit of harassment. Despite all this, Shelton tried to keep the club going and even buy the building. But without local support, it was too much of an uphill battle. So in the summer of 1992, exactly 30 years ago, Shelton closed Medusa's on Sheffield for good. But the club would live on, both in other locations, but also in the legacy of people who found connection, identity, and creative outlets at crucial points in their lives. After the closing of the club in Lakeview, Dave Shelton relocated for a short stint at the Congress Theater on Milwaukee Avenue. After a few years, he reopened Medusa's in his hometown of Elgin, nearly 30 miles northwest of Chicago. In 2020, Shelton and I were working to set up an interview for this story at the Elgin Club. But in the early spring, he wrote to say that we needed to postpone for health reasons. By August of that year, I was shocked to learn that Shelton had passed away. Medusa's and Elgin would close permanently a year later. So as for Tony's final question about what's still around like Medusa's today, the answer is not much. In the years right after Medusa's on Sheffield closed, unregulated raves became the alternative of choice for many like Bob Davis. Some clubs like Medusa's and Elgin did offer teen nights, including Zero Gravity in Naperville and Energy in Stone Park. Plus, there was even a teen night at Club Mambo in Logan Square. These all shut down in recent years. But even if they didn't, former Medusa staffer Leroy Field says they just weren't the same. Nothing comes close to what Medusa's was. It was a unique time, a unique place, a unique experience. And that's a bigger problem than you might think. But don't just take it from me. I talked to longtime child and adolescent psychologist Dr. Marilyn Solomon. Her own kids, including Curious City editor Alexander Solomon, sometimes went to Medusa's in the 80s. But she also had patients who were club regulars, and their parents were worried. I heard several things about parents and what they felt about it and saw it as rather dangerous. Back in the 80s, Dr. Solomon shared some of their concerns. But these days, she looks at some of the mental health issues that have emerged from the isolation of the pandemic and marination in social media, and she's had a change of heart. Medusa's was probably the safest place for teenagers then, compared to the internet, compared to TikTok, compared to God knows what else. 
is out there um, drawing them in. I think these real-life interactions are not only good, but they're essential for mental health and for human well-being at all ages. But adolescents need that deep sense of connection in order to affirm that somebody knows who they are, not just likes them, but wants to know them. Question asker Tony Acevedo tends to agree. As a CPS educator, he's well aware of the issues surrounding curfew this summer and no place for these kids to go. So what would he do to help the situation? I would really advocate for opening up spaces like this, you know, and maybe it's, you know, during the day it could be a club they can hang out and maybe play video games, but then at night it turns into a dance club, you know, and so something like that. So that, so you kind of meet kids where they're at, you know, we know this young generation does a lot of things digitally, but that's okay, we can bring that into it too, but then also give them a taste of, of what it's like to, to actually go to a dance club. So maybe what Chicago needs is another version of Medusa's. Only this time, I know a lot of 50 and 60 year old teens who'd also want to check it out. Take me out Reporting this week comes from Axios reporter Monica Eng. This story was produced in partnership with Axios Chicago. Curious City is supported by the Conant Family Foundation. It's produced by Joe Dassault and Jason Mark. Adriana Cardona-Magigar is our reporter. Maggie Civit is the digital and engagement producer. I edited this episode along with Jesse Dukes. To see photos of Medusas during the heyday, go to wbez.org slash Curious City. I'm Alexandra Solomon. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you back here next week. Sometimes you just need a quick overview of the news. Meantime, it was chaos today at the Chicago City Council. A Chicago cop with a controversial past is running for judge. Other times, you're looking for a deeper understanding of what's going on in the city. Wow, that's so, no one has asked me that question. The Rundown Podcast has all of that, and it's Chicago-based, so you know what's up in your neighborhood and across town. Listen to The Rundown wherever you get your podcasts or at wbez.org slash rundown.